Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. This month, we're going to be talking about the church. And our topic is Christ's church today and every day. What a time it is for us to be defining this. A time where things are a bit different than what we're used to. Amen. We're seeing church being done differently. In this culture, it's a time for us to even want to know what the church of Christ really is, what it is about. Hallelujah. So what is the church? We're going to be answering that in this series. Amen. And many other questions. Open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. All right, can we read together? One to go. And he said to them, Go into all the world and do what? Preach the gospel. Next verse. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be what? Next verse. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out what? Devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Next verse. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Hallelujah. Go to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Now we're going to read the equivalent of this text in Matthew's account. How many of you have ever heard of the synoptic gospels before? Alright, meaning that the gospels are written in synopsis. Meaning there are the accounts of the same events by different people. Hallelujah. So we just read Mark's account. We're going to read Matthew's account now. Amen. Alright, let's read together. One to go. It says, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Next verse. Go, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Next verse. Teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. These are two accounts. And what is consistent between the two of them is the instruction to preach and to teach the world. Hallelujah. He said, go into all the worlds and what? Make disciples. The word there is mathetuo. And what that word means is to make students of the word. Hallelujah. You see, one thing we must learn to be, first of all, is to learn to be students of the world, of the word. Hallelujah. And we must see every evangelical work as a method of making students. Amen. So the Bible is showing us Jesus' instructions to the disciples before his ascension. And he says, go and do what? Preach. Matthew's account says, make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Mark's account says that when you do this, the result is that they will cast out devils. Hallelujah. Our focus today is that as we see what Jesus said before his ascension to his disciples, we're learning that it wasn't a farewell, was it? It wasn't just a farewell. It was a commission. I I get what I'm saying. It wasn't just a farewell. It was a commission for a work. It was a commission for an assignment. He was giving them a mission 
And he was giving them a vision. Please, are you getting what I'm saying? He was doing what? Giving a commission. He was instructing them on what to do. He said, go and do this. He said, preach. He said, make disciples. But you see, the problem today is that the great commission has almost become the great omission. Amen. The great commission has almost become what? The great omission. We have people who are teaching everything but this. Who are doing everything but this. Jesus was dictating what the mission and the vision of the church should be for the next years to come. Amen. For generations to come till he returns. He was sending them out on an assignment. Hallelujah. There has been a focus on everything but this. We teach everything but the most important things. And people have used different ways to excuse them from this instruction. Go and preach. Some say culture is why they will not preach. Have you heard that before? Why won't you preach in our culture? We don't preach that way. You know, someone actually literally tried to convince me that Canadian culture doesn't allow preaching. That is relationship preaching we should do. So I said, what is relationship preaching? He said, we preach as we get to make new friends. When we make, we just ask if they can accept it, if they hear this, you know. Ah! I'm like, no. <laughs> that's, that's not what we received, amen? He said to do what? To preach the gospel. He says to teach all nations. I, I wish I could explain to you the gravity of that word matter too. It means to make a person become a student. It means to make disciples out of men. So the instruction is not just a preaching, the instruction is also a teaching. Did you hear what I said? It is not just a preaching, it is what? What is the difference between preaching and a teaching? It is not just to proclaim a message, it is to raise disciples. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's why when you evangelize, the work does not end in the preaching. If the person gets saved, there must be a discipleship. Amen. You know, there are many Christian concepts that have been affected because we've not done what we need to do the right way. For example, the concept of spiritual fatherhood. Ideally, your spiritual mentor, your spiritual father should be the person who got you saved. Because he, 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 he gave birth to you into the faith. Amen. He got you saved. Uh, boy, that's really the case. How many of you remember who got you saved? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. But do these people do that mentorship? And that's important. Hallelujah. So culture, people say, you know what? In our culture, we don't do it that way. Is evangelism subject to culture? Oh, no, it is not. Some things might affect it, but it's not subject to the culture. Hallelujah. Meaning that in many different ways, we might have to make adjustments based on the area we are, but it will never stop the core of teaching and discipling. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the world will change, but the world will never change. Are you getting what I'm saying? The world will change. The world will never change. The Great Commission is the Great Commission in Africa, in Europe, in Asia, everywhere. We see no precedence for a switch in evangelism because of culture and scriptures. Hallelujah. 
So let's not get comfortable because of where we are. Amen. We must not allow the possible influence of culture to affect our ability to follow the word of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? Look at Philip. He was in Jerusalem with the apostles. I, I get what I'm saying. Persecution hit him. He ran away, but he did not stop. What did he do when he got there? He started preaching. <laughs> Amen. The Bible told us that there was great joy in the city of Samaria because Philip got there. Can you enter a city and because you enter there, great joy comes to that city. We have to understand that what we carry is light. Jesus entered the city. The Bible said light has come to Naphtali, Naphtali and Zebulon. It was light to the Gentiles. Hallelujah. It was light to the Gentiles. So culture should not be what stops us. Number two, people say no. The Great Commission is not for us. It's for only the apostles. Have you heard that before? It's funny the way people think. Say it was given to the eleven. You see, but upon further review, we must understand that yes, if you were doing true Bible interpretation, the words were spoken to the apostles. Right? You know, I'm doing a series right now in the online community called how to interpret the Bible. And one thing we learn is that when we're studying the Bible, we must understand the there and then before the here and now. I, I get what I'm saying. That is, we must understand what the words meant to them in their time and in their culture, what the author intended before we relate it to us. Else we misinterpret the scriptures. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, but when we look at it, we see that, yes, Jesus was speaking to them. And yes, they would be the ones to explain the teachings of Jesus and bring clarity to the Old Testament to the people. Amen? But was the message relegated to them? We would see. They had doctrinal authority. You know that. The apostles had doctrinal authority. Meaning they were the custodians of doctrine. What we believe and teach is what we receive from them. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because they spent time with Jesus. Jesus was with them through his earthly ministry. After his death, he came back 40 days doing what? Teaching them. I get what I'm saying. So they learned firsthand. But how do we learn? By reading their epistles. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So yes, this instruction was given to them. Go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8. The Bible says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Who will receive power? Actually, it's the apostles. You see the problem in Bible interpretation? Because we were not there. We were not there. It was actually them he was talking to. Not us. <laughs> it says, but you shall receive power. You have to understand the context. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem. Now wait. Don't cancel that you are not supposed to witness about Jesus. I'm just first explaining the text to you before I now help you interpret how it now applies to you. The application to you is not from your first reading. Your first job in reading is understand what it meant to the original recipients. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, this is Luke's account of the same thing we read. I get what I'm saying. And Luke was writing to Theophilus. He was giving an account of the things that have happened. Luke is also the writer of Acts. It's a two-part book, Luke Acts. I get what I'm saying. So, he wrote this. 
Let's go to Acts chapter 1, verse 20, 21. All right, let's read together. I want to go. Wherefore, of these men which have accompanied us, that Lord Jesus went in and out amongst us. Next verse. Of John. Of his resurrection. What is going on here? Jesus had died. He had ascended. But now, because of Judas, they had to choose one person to be with them. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And the person, they said he was going to be a witness with us of the resurrection. Even though, yes, the disciples might have seen it. It would have been one of the disciples. Amen. But I'm trying to tell you that the instructions to be witnesses, were, it was to them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you are not a witness of the resurrection. You are a believer in the resurrection. You witness by fact, not by faith. Are you getting what I'm saying? You only witness by fact, not by faith. If you go to court and you say, ah, did he kill him? You say, no, no, he didn't kill him. How do you know? By faith. I know he cannot. I'm so sure. I can stake my life. Will they accept that? So witnessing is done by what? By fact. But there is also witnessing by faith. And I'll tell you where that comes in. Now let's go to the next verse. I want to read Acts 2.31. I want to show you what it means to witness. Acts 2 chapter 31. What does it say everybody? He seeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That his soul was not left in Hades. Nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up. Of which we are all what? What are they witnessing? So can you witness the resurrection of Jesus? Are you seeing what I'm saying? Don't worry. Just keep your heart. Don't worry. Oh, yeah, I know it's breaking some of the theology, you know, but I'll help you piece it back together the right way. Amen. Yeah. Acts chapter 3, verse 14. I'm showing you what it means, what that instruction in Acts 1 means, that they should go into all the world and be witnesses. They were going to witness because they experienced it. Are you getting what I'm saying? They were going to witness because what? They experienced it. All right. Acts chapter 3, verse 14 and 15. Let's read together. But you deny the Holy One and the just and ask for a murderer to be granted to you and kill the prince of life whom God raised from the dead of which we are what? Are you seeing? They are witnessing of the... The whole journey in Acts was the apostles witnessing to the people that if Jesus rose from the dead which they were witnesses of then Jesus is the Messiah. Are you getting what I'm saying? That was what they were doing. Are you learning something? All right. First John chapter 1, verse 1 to 4. All right, let's read together. One to go. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Yes, the life was manifested, and we have seen and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Next verse. And have declared that what? With us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Verse 4. And these things write Now, this begins to answer your question. He said the things we've seen. He said the things we've handled. Are you getting what I'm saying? They felt Jesus. Thomas said, I will not believe until I put my hand in the hole. He needed proof. 
So Thomas is a witness because he saw the risen Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? He saw the resurrected Christ. So he's a witness. They felt him. He said, give me fish, give me bread. Remember that story? So they were witnesses. He says, we've seen with our eyes. We've looked upon. So who are the witnesses actually? The apostles. Now verse 2, what does he say? It says, the life was manifested and we've seen it. And we bear witness and we show it unto you that eternal life. So what did they do? They bore witness of it to other people. Are you getting what I'm saying? The same way someone told you about the gospel and how Jesus resurrected from the dead. Amen? What now happened? Next verse. He said, that which we have seen and have declared unto you that you may have what? Fellowship with us. So we can have fellowship with them because what? They've witnessed it to us, and we, by faith, have believed. Are you getting what I'm teaching you? We've believed. Hallelujah. Now, on this, a lot of people say, oh, it's the apostles that should preach, then we should not preach. Are you seeing what I'm saying now? I'm showing you where their argument is from. The apostles were first-hand witnesses of the resurrection. They had the teachings of Christ. But as the church progressed... We began to see something. You saw men like Philip, men like Stephen, men like Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, Nicola in Acts chapter 6, verse 5. The Bible says that hands were laid on them and they were deacons. What did they do? They started to witness. Amen. So we began to see as the church progressed that that instruction was not relegated to just the apostles, but to every disciple. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, even though Acts is a historic record of what happened. We have a teaching in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. We'll read 17 to 21. Now think of it like this. There's a lot I have to teach, but I'm going to try to help you understand it. What is the difference between the record of Acts and 1 Corinthians? Who wrote the book of 1 Corinthians? Paul. To who? To the church in Corinth, I always ask this, right? Paul to where? The church in Corinth. What the apostle Paul is doing here? This is called an epistle. What is an epistle? It's a letter. But the biblical epistles are not just letters. They are teachings. Between Acts and 1 Corinthians, which does an explanation? 1 Corinthians. Because the apostle Paul is teaching. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So now he goes on to begin to teach us. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, is what? Now, who is this talking about? Only the apostles? Any man. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's what? All things have passed away. Behold. Next verse. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given us what? So does every believer have a ministry? Yes, is it a ministry of reconciliation? Yes, Next verse. And to we that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and had committed unto us what? So can we excuse ourselves from evangelism? Because even though you are not doing pulpit ministry like me, wearing suits, holding mic, you have a ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have a ministry. Your job is to discover what God will have you do and do it. You can't excuse yourself. Culture, 
relegation to the apostle, it doesn't excuse you. Hallelujah. The Great Commission is the vision of every church. It might be rephrased, paraphrased, but it's the vision of every church. Hallelujah. Make followers of men. And this is the vision of the Catholic Church. We envision all men saved and perpetually victorious in their work with God. Hallelujah. Amen. We envision all men saved and perpetually victorious in their work with God. If there is no all men saved there, you have not captured the Great Commission. Are you learning what I'm, what I'm telling you? Listen, we have to stop having a limitation mindset. Are you getting what I'm saying? We have to stop having a limitation mindset. Listen, God told Abraham, he says, look at the stars. As many as you can count. At the numbers of, of, of children I'm going to give to you. He was talking to a man that had no child. But God was not expecting Abraham to see through his own lens. God was expecting him to see through God's lens. Amen. In his own limitation, he went and did something by works, whereas God wanted to give him something by faith, a child, Isaac. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to see through the visions of God. He did not know, but today you think, Father Abraham had many sons. I am one of them. He could not have imagined that would happen. But Paul thought and said that everyone who believed in Jesus for salvation by faith have become children of Abraham. He cleared the Jews. He said, you think you are children of Abraham? You are children of Abraham by flesh. But they who are children of Abraham by spirit are those who believe him by faith. Are you learning something? God wants everyone, when he tells you to do something, to see through his visions and not through your own visions. I want you to have a heart that can accommodate the visions of God. Amen. The people around you might not understand it. Amen. The advices were plenty. You don't know anybody. You want to travel. You want to preach. You want to start church. And you, know, you know what we used to use when we want to do wrong things? We say wisdom is profitable to direct. When people say that, they run away. <laughs> we use it to excuse. Say, ah, don't do it. Wisdom is profitable to direct. Yes, use the wisdom of God. But the wisdom of God is in the gospel. Hallelujah. If God has said, have the open hearts to do. Have the boldness to do. Hallelujah. It says all men. So we envision all men to be saved and to be perpetually victorious in their work with God. So not just saved, but discipled and victorious in their work with God. What does it mean? You are not having on and off seasons in God. That's the testimony of this ministry. And that will be the testimony of your life in the name of Jesus. Always consistent in God. Hallelujah. Always. The job is to set structures for you. I remember the first time we did a three-hour prayer in Nigeria. We said we're going to do it on Friday. People were like, ah, sir. So we started. I can tell you three years now we pray every Friday, three hours, steady. Amen. There is room to grow. There is room to learn. There, listen, I don't know what kind of atmosphere we are in. When you, if you join a church three months, there must be changes in your life. Because the, the, the job of a church is to help you grow. It's not every other thing we do. They are good, but are they core? Car wash for this one. Um, I've seen funny things. I saw one person doing Barbie Sunday. I said, God forbid. Say exploring things in the Bible through the lens of the Barbie movie. They even did Oppenheimer Sunday. I said, Lord, help us. Help us. You know, church growth strategy. No, the spirit is our church growth strategy. Amen. We will do everything he asks us to do and we will see the growth. 
Hallelujah. Let's, I think we limit people who are looking for God in their mentality. Don't try to pull people with at, believe that the Lord is enough to satisfy them. Listen, in business, when we set goals, goals must be smart. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, right? In the gospel, we must make those goals smart. If Jesus has said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, amen, let it be specific. This is what we are here for. Every other thing is good, but this is what the Lord has sent us for. We must be raising men every time you come here. We must be evangelical every time you come here. Amen. We must be helping you study the word of God better, pray better, know God better, evangelize better, give better. Are you getting what I'm saying? It must be specific. We must know what our vision is. We don't have identity crisis. Hallelujah. Number two, it must be measurable. How many people have you preached to in a year? Are you getting what I'm saying? We set targets for our, our community online. In one session, at least seven, at least five sometimes. In a month, at least have this number. Preach. Because there's a whole world to take. <laughs> I get what I'm saying. There's a whole world to take. So let it be measurable. Achievable as well. Amen. Is it possible? Yes, sir. Uh, you don't believe it. Is it possible? Yes, sir. Will God walk through your hands? Amen. 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 It's possible. If you do not think it, I'm, I'm a testimony for you to see. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They will soon know us in Riverside very soon. <laughs> Is it relevant? Yes. Time bound? Yes. Because now is the time that anybody who will hear the gospel can hear it. After now, there's nothing again. There's no preaching to the dead. You see all this doctrine of baptism of the dead? It's not biblical. Amen. It's not biblical. Baptism of the dead. What is that? The rich man said, tell, tell Lazarus or send somebody to go and preach to my people. Jesus said, they have enough prophets. You are part of them. You are, the, you are part of the prophet. They have enough saints. You've got the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. You are part of the people that should preach to the rest. So, probably guys that are counting on you to make sure you preach. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. We have to be intentional about it. Don't leave it to chance. We must strategize beyond the walls of our culture. Don't let our minds be a limitation. Amen. Jesus gave 11 men the gospel. Look what they've done. <laughs> Look what they've done. How much more? How many of us are here? We're, pro- we're more than 11 by far. What can we do if we take the gospel with our hands and with our hearts? Are you getting what I'm saying? What can we do? What can we achieve? We can do much with the gospel on our lips. Our goals must be both quantitative and qualitative. Amen. We are not looking to grow a mega church for mega church sake. Mm-mm. The quality of the men must be heavy. It must be strong. Not lightweight men. Amen. Any small tribulation now, you say, where is God? If God is good, why do bad things happen? What? The same God that told you in this life you face tribulation. Now you say, where is the God in your trouble? Calm down. He promised you that in this world you will face tribulations. He prepared you. But he said, have no fear. I will come the world. So why are you doing the opposite? First, you are doubting him because of one problem. Is there a God? If there is a God, why is there suffering? The world is falling, that's why. Are you getting what I'm saying? The world is falling, that's why. Jesus, 
He was preaching in John chapter 6. 5,000 members stopped following him in one service. Why? He told them the truth. Three years worth of ministry. Listen, we will be unapologetic with our preaching. Amen? Amen. We will be unapologetic. I'll just prepare everybody's hearts. <laughs> so that you know what we are here for. Unapologetic with our preaching. Hallelujah. 5,000 stop for If Jesus could lose five, who am I? Jesus lost 5,000 members because of truth. Who am I? I never started that. <laughs> Amen. Amen. One day, he saw that they were not interested in his message. They were after bread. He said that the bread I will give you is my flesh. Are you with me? Say, I will give you this as life, as life of the world. Amen. What was he doing? He was helping them see that bread is a metaphor for salvation. Through his death. Hallelujah. The true intention of the people was revealed that day. They only wanted him to feed them. But he said, you know what? I'm not going to multiply bread. My flesh is the bread I'll give you. Meaning I'm going to die for your salvation. I'm not here to feed your stomach. I'm here to guarantee you eternal life. If I continue to multiply bread here, you will live in this earth, but you'll be dead in eternity. I get what I'm saying. That's what he was trying to teach them. It was a metaphor. But that day, he said, he's not going to feed us. They left him. Amen. John chapter 6, verse 51. He says, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What was he doing? He was helping them see truly that bread is a metaphor. I get what I'm saying. They were after the food and the miracles, not the true life which he gives. Now, what does it mean to have a viral message? To be viral means to be popular to be widespread, to circulate quickly across different spaces, regardless of culture, to be everywhere. And I can't think of one message that is as relevant for everyone than the gospel. Because whosoever you are, and wherever you are, one thing that is common to us all is that death is coming. Am I preaching? If you like, speak English. Spanish, let your culture be whatever it is. One thing that is common is that man will die. Amen. On that common message, I present to you a message relevant to the world. Are you get what I'm saying? I don't see any, any message as important as this. Any message that should be as viral as this. Because there is a plague out there and it's not the coronavirus. Amen. It's the sinful nature. It's the death of mankind. Amen. It's a plague that is... Listen, I've said it many times. We can set laws and laws will help us. But the cure to a fallen man because the fall to deprive... The the solution to depravity is not laws. Laws will not solve depravity. The salvation of the soul is the only thing. The change of a heart is the only thing that can solve depravity. Are you getting what I'm saying? I can't think anything as relevant as the gospel of Jesus. Same problem mankind faced 21 centuries ago. Same problem mankind still faces today. It disguises in many forms. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm saying? Do you know part of why they destroy Sodom and Gomorrah is homosexuality? It's still relevant today. <laughs> Amen. It's not new. It's just disguising 
I get what I'm saying. It's disguising. Same problems. The same problem is as old as humanity. I get what I'm saying. Jesus said in the Gospels, he says as it was in the days of Noah, Luke 17, 26, so it will be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given to marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate. You see, these are two generations apart. Noah, Lot. I get what I'm saying. They ate, they drank. So as it is today, we are eating, we are drinking. Amen? It says, but on that day, Lot went out of Sodom. It rained fire and brimstone for heaven, from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Amen. Is it so today? Things are going normally. We are eating. We are drinking. We are merry. But one of the things consistent in all of these eras is that man continued in sin even though the gospel was being preached. Who understands what I'm saying? Man continued in sin even though the gospel was being preached. There was warning of coming destruction. People thought Noah was foolish. People continued in sin. Amen. Lot had angels to visit him. They wanted to sleep with the angels. <laughs> That's the depravity in that time. He wanted to rape the angels. I'm telling you, he had to give his daughter. I don't know the moral justification for that. <laughs> I don't know. I can't explain that to you. But it's just to show you the depravity of that time. Jesus is saying here that those times are a pointer to what will happen before he returns to judge the world. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, I'm not a pastor that will not preach to you that hell is real. Hell is real! <laughs> Listen, hell is real. There is coming judgment. And I'm not saying it to scare you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because the fear of hell is not salvation. It's not the power of God to save. Amen? Amen. Hebrews eleven seven. 7. The Bible says, By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, Hey, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for saving of his household by which he condemned the world. So, it might sound like they are saying he condemned the world, but can I tell you the thing? The Bible actually tells us that for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? It says he who believes is saved. He who does not believe is condemned already. Jesus did not condemn the world. Noah did not condemn them. They were condemned already by rejecting are you seeing what I'm saying? Condemned already by what? By rejecting. He says, Noah, by that, condemned the world and became a heir of righteousness, which is according to the faith. So the writer of Hebrews is helping us see that God was showing us in the life of Noah his ultimate plan for salvation. I get what I'm saying. He even calls Noah a heir of salvation. A heir of righteousness, rather. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So, the ark is a picture of salvation for Noah's family. Amen. But it is showing you a picture of salvation that will happen in Christ. Are you learning what I'm teaching you? That's what the writer of Hebrews is explaining. The flood is a picture of judgment. I get what I'm saying. The ark is a picture of salvation and Noah is a picture of faith. So guess what? Let me tell you the level of depravity they had. Have you ever checked the dimension of the Ark of Noah? 
in the Bible. So let me give you a good example. How many of us know which statue can I use that is big now? Any statue that is tall? Liberty. Imagine someone started constructing the Statue of Liberty in a city. And he was telling you, if you don't enter this statue, the world will be destroyed. Do you know how big that is? Big enough for the world to see. For that city to see at least. I, I get what I'm saying. So, Peter called Noah a preacher of righteousness. Even if nobody preached to you, you will ask, ah, who is the constructor of this thing? I get what I'm saying. Is it Stellantis or Julius Vega? <laughs> Amen? Who is constructing? When they, they say, ah, why are they constructing this? It looks like a ship. They say, ah, the rain is coming. At least ask them why. But these people never ask. Are you seeing what I'm saying? This is teaching you and Jesus, God. Listen, God is a master communicator. I told you at the beginning of the service, he never does anything he has not told us before. He's showing us through their lives a pattern of eternal judgment. Amen. That there will be a day that God will judge the world. It's not new news. It's old news. God has been telling it in stories for a long time. And just like Noah, we have a message that must be viral. Are you getting what I'm saying? Noah had a viral message that they didn't take important. The message of hope and salvation becomes more relevant than ever. Because like those days today, men are given to eating and drinking. Men are doing everything they would do. But we are here and you must be a part of the work of preaching that a flood is coming. And it won't be a flood this time. It will be the judgment of the world by God. Are you learning something this, this morning rather? You're learning something? So Second Peter 2. Verse 4 says, For if God did not spare angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains to be reserved for judgment, and he did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of God. You see, he has spoken about Sodom and Gomorrah. He has spoken about Noah's time. He says, I'm bringing the city of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, He says, making them what? An example to those who afterward would live what? Do you know the funniest part of this? Ungodly in Noah's time simply meant that you did not even believe in God. It's not even by you. Because Noah was not holy or pure. (laughs) He wasn't. He got drunk. That family that they saved, the senior sister slept to the father, the other sister slept to the father too. And you get what I'm saying. But why were they saved? Faith. Did you hear what I'm teaching you? Why were they saved? Faith. So being ungodly in their time wasn't even about, it was about trusting the one who can deliver you from sin. The Bible says, and delivered righteous Lord, Lord righteous, wow, righteous Lord, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. And the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Amen. And to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So the same God that has mercy plenty has judgment plenty. (laughs) Are you listening to me? He has so much mercy. But he also said he can reserve judgment for the unjust. Are you learning something? He's a just God. 
These are examples, not just examples of condemnation, but examples of salvation. I can't think of a message more relevant than this. People will try different things. Sex, everything, they want more. There's no lasting satisfaction for man outside God. Hallelujah. That is the viral message. As I begin to round up, 1 Peter 2.24. The Bible says, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we having died to sin might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are what? Healed. For you were once like what? Sheep going astray, but you have now returned to what? The shepherd and overseer of your soul. Hallelujah. You don't believe that's you? Then rejoice. We were once like sheep going astray. Noah had a message to make viral. They needed to hear it. We have a message today that needs to reach the world. Amen. First John 3, 16 says, By this we know love, because what? He laid down his life for us. Romans 5, 18 says, God demonstrated his love to us. In that what? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. It says, Happy more, we've been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Do you see that? So much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. He says, and not only that, we also rejoice. Glory! We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received what? Atonement. My Bible says reconciliation. Amen. This is the message that you who were once afar of, have been made nigh by his blood. This is a message to the world that those who were afar off have been what? Made nigh to God. So the message must be on our lips everywhere and in every time. Christ's church every day and everywhere must have this message on their lips that God has accepted the death of his son as payment for sin. And has ever since bestowed eternal life on everyone who believed. That's the message in your mouth every day and everywhere. Say amen. amen. So what do we do about it? It's not about effort without message. The message is core. Amen. The Bible says all things are of God who had reconciled us to himself and had given us the ministry of Not a ministry. The ministry of reconciliation. There is one way to the, to the Father. It is true who? Jesus. The message of salvation is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. So are you saved? Do you know the gospel? Have you grown to the knowledge of it? Then what do you do with it? Preach it everywhere. Say, I'll preach it everywhere. Say, I'll say it everywhere. It will be on my lips forever. We must not be poor in soteriology. That's the science of the study of salvation. It is core to the church. So growing men in quality, not just in quantity. Hallelujah. You know, there's a popular thing in North America of empty pews. You know, have you heard of it before? The pews are getting empty. No, we will feel it. <laughs> Maybe because we're, we're we will feel it as a result of this message. Amen. We will feel it. We will talk to every and anybody. At least you will hear the message. Even if you don't accept, you will hear. Then the Holy Ghost will do the rest. Amen? Amen. 
Some things you would need to learn. How is a man saved? And these are the things we'll be teaching him. Because regardless of where you are, no matter what we preach, we have a commission to reduce the number of souls perishing by the message of Jesus. And we must be radical about it. We might not agree on minor things, but let's agree on the core. How is a man saved? By faith in Christ. Amen. Let's agree on, unless you are not a church of Christ. Are you with me? Let's agree on the core things. Let's emphasize it. How is a man saved? Things to come, heaven or hell. Amen. Missions and evangelism, we are active in it. The nature of God, the church of Christ. You see, these core things on salvation, let's be united in it and preach it everywhere. It's not time for mysteries. It's time for the clarity of the word. Ah, you get what I'm saying? This is a season of revelation. Hallelujah. We must be united in this. Ephesians 4, 11, the Bible says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints. He says, the Bible is telling us, he says, and he himself, who is he himself? Who is he himself that gave some to be apostles? Christ. Christ gave apostles. Christ gave pastors. Christ gave teachers. The men are the gifts. Hallelujah. The men are the gifts. He gave them for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Hallelujah. So Jesus died, but when he died and he ascended into heaven, he gave gifts to men. He gave pastors. He gave teachers. Our ministry is what? Is the equipping of what does equipping mean? The word, the Greek word here is oikodomio. It means to build up. It's a construction term. So the job of every pastor is to build the members up. Hallelujah. Is to build up. Christ gave pastors and teachers. Christ is the head of the church. The church is his body. Amen. Go to Ephesians 1.22. Ephesians 1.22. I want to show you something. Ephesians 1.22. Read this together. Everybody wants to go. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be head. Question. Who is his feet? Whose feet is he talking about? Christ's feet, right? And he gave Christ to be what? Now pay attention. Who is the head? Next verse. Who is the body? The church. Go back. Now read it in the lens of what you know. And had put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Next. Which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all things. Who is the head? Who is the body? Under whose feet is everything? Under Christ's feet, but if we are the body, under our feet as well. And he said that we are the fullness of him that fills all in all. Meaning that we are the expression of Christ's authority in this earth. Amen. So after Jesus died, he cannot do some other things anymore. How is he going to do it through his body? Hallelujah. That's why he had to give us authority. If we are going to function like the head in the earth, all things must be subject to us as well. Hallelujah. You are a part of this. You are a part of the body of Christ. Hallelujah. So Christ is the head of the church. The church is the body. And all things are under the, the feet of both the head and the body. Hallelujah. This is Paul using metaphors to teach. So we are built up. Till we come to what? The unity of the faith. I'll round up by teaching you the mission statement of this ministry. Our mission is to enlist men and disciple them through the accurate teaching of the word of God and the ministry of the spirit till they are complete in Christ and rejoice in the hope of glory. 
Are you expectant for Christ to come? Ah, the more you are built here, you'll be rejoicing. Glory! 